This is the Hack the Future podcast, the human stories behind courage, purpose, and imagination. Join your host, Terrence Mowry, who will guide you on the journey of reimagining the world as we know it. Today, I want to explore why attention, health, and well-being is a top leadership priority in the age of AI and automation. I keep hearing that data is the new oil. I disagree. I believe attention is the new oil. Think about it. It's scarce and under constant attack from digital obesity and Zoom fatigue to burnout or even bore out. How would you rate your levels of attention and focus and well-being on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm delighted to meet Alison Oliver, who is the CEO of the Youth Sports Trust. Alison and her team are on a passionate mission to build healthy and resilient futures through the power of sport, play and physical activity. Ali, great to be on the show. How are you today? I'm feeling very good, thank you. Thanks, Terence. Great, great to be here. Really appreciate the invitation. No, it's my pleasure. In fact, we were just chatting, just for our, our listeners' benefit, we met about a year and a half ago, and I was saying to you that you know it's just incredible how much has happened in 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 this last in this last year and a half. Mm. Would have never have guessed it. Absolutely no. Don't think any of us predicted what's what's happened in the last year. And indeed, as we go through the year, it's been very difficult to predict what next. But yes. um, still live in that changing world at the moment. But, it's but it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, isn't it? So it's it's this kind of change used to feel like a breeze. Now it feels like a Category Five typhoon and uh, attention spans are under attack and uh, mm. well-being and, and and really our goal today is is to unpack some of the the, the the research the insights on on the power of sport and play and physical activity and why that you know matters more than ever right now at this mm. inflection point in our time absolutely absolutely i think it, the 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 themes are so important mm. and- um, I guess we all have a, a heightened awareness of our fragility and um, some of the things that mean the most, the things that we've, we feel we've lost the most. Yes. So I, I wanted to kick off a question straight away, which is I'd love to hear more about Youth Sports Trust's mission, its vision, and how that's become even more energised over the last 12 months because of the pandemic. Yeah, well, we're, we're um, the Youth Sport Trust is a children and young people's charity. It's been mm. around for, we're in our 26th year now. Actually, last Great. year was our, our silver anniversary. And Fantastic. we've always had this enduring and very simple mission, which is to build a brighter future for young people through the power of play and sport. Yes. And our vision really is a future where every child enjoys the benefits that come from playing sport and we always put an emphasis on the three words really every child because mm. we know every child is either able to access um playing sport or coming on to the second word enjoys it it's, yes. it's an enjoyable experience um and if you want to get to the benefits which is that third word yes. the benefit from playing sport it, we have to make sure that it's accessible it's fun it's inclusive mm. uh, and relevant for young people so the charity is always trying to pioneer new and different ways to yes. use sport to improve children's well-being and their life chances um yes and, and all the time trying to work with stakeholders and partners so they can harness the power of sport in their day-to-day work with children whether that's schools mm. 
um, families in, in the home or, or indeed some of the other organisations, youth sector, etc., that, that work with young people? It's over the last 12 months, um, so much research coming out from the United Nations to the Worldwide Health Organization on well-being, uh, uh, you know, from from kids to to adults, uh, you know, mm. over people over more overwhelmed, overworked, overloaded, digital infobesity. Um, but I've even come across another extreme recently in France, which was not not burnout, but bore out. Have you come across that term before? <laughs> I, I haven't, no, but I can imagine what it means. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, um, do you, do you have any kind of um, emerging research insights on what, what's happening out there for kids, especially in terms of well-being and physical activity, especially over the last 12 months? Yeah, yeah, we do, of course. So um, sort of on the well-being front, um, you know, there's no doubt before the global pandemic arrived, we have been living through an era where children's physical health, their emotional or mental well-being and their and their social connectedness have, have all been under threat anyway. And what yes. the last 12 months have done is sort of accelerated some of the decline, sadly, mm. in all three. So we know that um, things like children with diagnosable mental health conditions, according to Bernardo's, has gone from one in nine. Mm. Um, in six um we know that even before the pandemic children sat alongside the elderly as some of the loneliest in society um and we do know that uh, parents have become increasingly aware mm. of the state of well-being of their children having um lived up close and personal to them for so many hours every day yes with um not fully open etc mm. um and underneath all of this is is of course restricted um access to play and sport yes for families who don't have the advantage of a garden children mm. have to get outdoors and, and play with playgrounds closed and uh, sports uh, centers closed and yes. not able to school as normal so you know we we're always um unpicking the relationship between the amount of time that children spend outside spend mm. playing and spend moving and being physically active yes. and the is that we know from the science that has for their physical development and health but also for that mental health and social well-being and and i mean it's uh it, it's so uh, yeah sad and uh, uh, disheartening to mm. to hear the, hear this research and we, and we know it as well from our first-hand experiences with our own friends and families and i wanted to ask you you know what, what are some of the new uh, sort of initiatives or strategies youth sports trust will be um spearheading over the next 12 months to tackle some of these challenges yes th thanks for giving us the, the opportunity to talk about them Charles. i mean yes. the, the number the one thing that we are championing at the moment is as children return to school that um, a recognition of the state of their well-being is almost the number one priority. There's, there's a huge obsession, understandably, with this um, unfortunate term of, of catch-up for, yes. for you know, academic subjects, which not, not entirely helpful, I think, when you know children have been through so much mm -hmm. that the they sort of get labelled with and get um, faced with when they get back to school is massive pressure and yes. stress catch-up academically. Um, when, you know, to be fair, they've, you know, the majority of children have been, um, particularly where they're in homes with parental support or carer support, have been, you know, working at home. They've been doing their 
remote learning, their homeschooling. Um, and actually what they need now is a little bit of a period to find themselves again, rebuild their self-esteem, their sense of belonging, mm. uh, absolutely their human connection again. They've had a very small sphere of, of human contact for so long. Yeah. They just need to ease back. And so the biggest thing we're championing and trying to support schools with, because mm. uh, I, I have to say the majority of school leaders that I speak to or governors from schools are of a, exactly the same opinion. This is what our young people need most. But yes quite hard for schools to think about how do I find the time in the day mm. um, active um, you know what sorts of activities can I do that are safe right now yes. you know, with concerns about transmission etc and um, so we a lot of what we're doing at the moment is reassuring schools that this is the right thing to do there's a strong evidence base mm. to back um, and, and helping them think of new and different ways to use play and sport um, mm. to, to children's confidence competence and we we're sort of coining coining the phrase really rather than um catch up or recover it's kind of bounce forward i like that people take this experience um all of the learning that's come through it and actually be better as they come out of the cycle yes. of it. Um, I, I love that bit about you know bounce back and bounce forward and it reminds me of a finnish word called sisu which means viking spirit it's the alchemy of yes. uh, courage grit resilience uh, or as the um uh, thinker nasin talab calls anti-fragility so we actually absorb mm. disruption or mm. setbacks in our lives and actually absorb it and grow stronger and more resilient as a result uh, uh, absolutely I, I couldn't agree more and i think the, the, the really important evidence that we've got around increased parental and carer understanding mm. is important because I think prior to the pandemic, um, you know, parents are time poor. Um, yes. and, you know, it's it's really difficult for, for them to get children away from their gadgets and their screens when mm. they're highly motivated to spend their, their downtime on those things. But, you know, parents are telling us now just under 80%, 79% of parents are saying their children are doing less than our chief medical officer recommends, which is 60 significant a day. Then. Nearly 80% of parents are saying that. And mm. they, they're recognising that one of the reasons for that is just the lack of time children have spent outside playing together and being active. And was this a trend that was it a, was it a trend that was in place that was hardening even before the pandemic in in terms of lack of physical activity yes. absolutely mm. yes the the sport england um the arms length body responsible for for sport in this country to dcms does mm. an annual active lives survey um which captures data on the percentage of children that are meeting that chief medical officer's guidance and uh, I, I just reported what parents are saying, nearly 80% of parents now, just on the, the end, I guess, coming to the end of, of lockdown three are saying their children yes. aren't. But even the data last year was um, around about 45% of children doing uh, the chief medical officer's amount. So, so even before all of this kicked off, than half children doing it so it's as i said earlier it's just sort of accelerated some of those those trends ali if there was a you know ceos listening to our our conversation today um you know leaders of different types of organizations in different sectors not just in the uk but globally are there any initiatives they can take uh to help 
are there any initiatives that uh, Youth Sports Trust is involved in to kind of bridge and co-create uh, this this sort of healthy, uh, well-being, resilient future? Uh, absolutely, Great. without a doubt. So from a from a, an organization like the youth sport trust we we love to work in partnership um yes. and many of our most successful and powerful projects and programs have come by working in, in partnership with with corporate business or with industry where we have really co-created as you say solutions which bring the expertise and knowledge and and sometimes workforce and capacity of another organization together with with our own so with, without a doubt um we have two really i guess landmark programs that we're very excited about one is our girls active program yes which is a effectively it's a peer leadership program it's a way of trying to tackle the stubborn uh, gap in participation between girls and boys that um, has existed for years and years and years mm. uh, is growing um by seeing the young women who are least engaged and and least active as the solution rather than the problem yes um, <laughs> For too long we sort of viewed them as the challenge and i can i can say this is a former PE teacher yeah. you had those girls that would turn up for PE and think oh how on earth am i going to engage them they really dislike what 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 i stand for and what i do yes the simple answer is mm. you get them involved and you empower them and you ask them what they'd like to do and what it is they don't like and how we can minimize that and how we can amplify the bits that they do like and yes active is is a it's is key. a wonderful program which which women as uh, leaders, uh, marketeers, yes, uh, or influencers of sport, but of their kind of sport rather than perhaps you know, kind of reflecting back to the history, my kind of sport. Someone who loved sport, it often ends up being who the the PE teacher is. But the mm. the other program, um, slightly different, but has a gender theme to it, is is Boys Move, which is a new program we're just mm. concluding the final pilot of now, and this is recognizing the issues that we know exist for um young men yes. uh, and um sadly you know acknowledging that um early suicide is is often one of the greatest uh, causes of death in young men mm. um, in their lives because of uh, mental health issues mm. and we we know that um a lot of evidence tells us that one of the reasons why men and young boys can suffer from anxiety and depression and stress is is a, a lack of outlet or feeling a lack of outlet. So sort of bottle it all up. Yeah. Yes. And and with we're working through Boys Move to work with male PE teachers, mm. support them with greater mental awareness, um, training, and how to create, you know, the football match or the cricket match mm. or uh, whatever it happens to be as an environment where we talk. Yes. Environment these... where not only do we have lots of fun and we come together as mates and enjoy each other's company, but we it's a it's a safe environment where we can talk and mm. instead of i think historically again you know sometimes the male pe teachers have not been seen as the most sensitive or empathetic in the workforce mm. actually exactly the people who can who can initiate and create an environment so i think mental health and girls active and boys move will both be t quite two significant really? land Yes. programs for us going forward really tight i mean again super timely and relevant and it strikes me that there's so many transferable learnings here and lessons for any organization of any size that wants to thrive in this 21st century. And it also sort of um, gets me thinking about new types of human metrics that 
uh, you know, for leaders who are listening to us today, need to think about. Mm. So, uh, you know, I call it, you know, return on energy and return on empathy mm. and return on intelligence. And I wanted to ask you, mm. so, you know, to, for some context, I recently uh, met Paul Lindley, who's the former founder of Ella Kitchens, the baby food company. Yes. And he wrote a book called The Huge Power of Thinking Like a Kid. And this idea <laughs> that as, as adults, sometimes we need to not grow up, but grow down and prioritize play and passion and purpose and experimentation and learning and i wanted to ask you you know mm. what are some of the uh, sort of um applications in terms of the benefits of play and sport and teamwork and physical physical activity that any organization can mm. uh, benefit from as well yeah, great, great question. And, and listen, there are loads. So mm. from the most basic level, we know when we start to move and get active, we alter the uh, hormone and chemical state within our body. So we can kind of reduce the levels of the natural stresses in yes. our body, like adrenaline and cortisone. We can reduce those. And at the same time, we re release endorphins. So mm. if we need to feel a bit better, uh, and certainly if we want to be more creative and innovative, um, kind of changing that chemical balance can happen through simple movement and getting people moving. And, you know, yes. quite a lot of reading about the release of serotonin, which kind of gets neural activity firing in the brain and, and again can encourage us to be problem solving. So I think there are some real basic things like that. We also know um, that when we, when we move, um, our brain performs better, attentional focus is heightened. Mm. The, the more active we are, the, the better we are. Our cognitive health and our cognitive performance in the long run. Yes. It's a, you know, physical physical mm. fitness, you know, reducing absenteeism and improving our stamina uh, for work. You know, the fitter that we are, the better we can cope with the pressures of today's world uh, and, and keep going. Yes. Um, and then there's some really lovely stuff, Terence, actually, mm. that came again, of the Sport England Active Lives Survey, where it doesn't just measure children's activity levels, it measures um, some subjective uh, responses from them around things like uh, their levels of trust, how, how resilient they feel, are they able to kind of, do they feel able to try again when something doesn't go right for them first time round? And yes. children who are more active are more trusting, more resilient, and have a better sense of uh, personal well-being and that will apply to adults as well it's not just children um it's extremely extremely so extremely powerful and beneficial and it kind of reminds me that uh, you know so many uh executives that i speak to and meet um virtually around the world you know, often they forget to do these basics brilliantly and uh, mm. especially over this last year people seem to be working a lot more so productivity is mm. up but also stress is up zoom fatigue or screen fatigue mm. is up and yeah. Yeah, i wanted to ask you you know if there was like you know one what's the kind of one thing that leaders should be thinking about for their own coping strategies and i know it depends on the individual but you know just from your own experience over the last 12 months mm. what's 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 worked for you in terms of you know, managing screen fatigue and, and and kind of staying resilient in the face of such extreme adversity and uncertainty um yeah well i, I hate i'm absolutely loathing screen time i have, have to tell you <laughs> me too <laughs> it's brilliant it enables the charity to keep going so yes. you know 
to all those companies like Zoom and Teams and and, and all the IT be companies that are behind it. But it, it 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 certainly takes its toll on you. And um, kind of beyond that, obviously, so difficult to develop human connection to understand nonverbal cues and everything. So yes. I, I, struggled with it but what I've what I found has worked um for me personally Terence is you know I'm a fairly active person mm. uh, but since the day we uh had to close our office and I started to work from home yes I get up at 5 30 which doesn't sound a particularly um healthy thing to do, <laughs> but I have, but I have two hours yes that I can control before Great. the meetings start the phone calls come the emails come ge- generally speaking mm. um and, and so, number one, that's time when I'm in control. I think there've been so, so few things we've been in control of this year. So it's, it's really been... to get a, a you know be clear yeah. about you know controllable controllables versus uncontrollables. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A bit of routine, I think, in there as well. Mm. So, you know, that's that's what I'm going to do, and that has given me an anchor, some anchor points. In yes. That otherwise would have you know been very difficult to de- define the beginning and the end. Yes. And, and exercised i have gone for a run um five mornings out of seven and been on my uh, cycle ergo in the garage on the other morning and yes. um, just to get some fresh air it's been lovely now the mornings are getting a little bit lighter so i've had that perspective again i haven't been dealing mm. with things maybe 60 or 70 centimeters in front of my face all day which is what we end up <laughs> doing so when we're true. in our offices in front of our screens you're just literally looking up and seeing acres of sky above you and taking notice of the uh you know what what time in the morning the sun's coming up has been really good at just yes. giving balance as I, well i'm hearing you know it's sort of so it's it's renewal it's rest periods it's having a no strategy as well to mm-hmm. to combat the uh you know, constant barrage of digital distraction and interruption and what what about this idea you know i've come across this term recently you know we're moving from this many organizations are going to move from the nine to five to uh, mm. a three two two so kind of three days two to three days in the office two days working from home and then mm. the weekend so nine to five to a three two two and i wanted to ask you again the implications of you know in terms of working more remotely or working from anywhere again why why does sport and play become even more pivotal in that in that virtual world well i think it comes it comes back to what i sort yes. of started touch on really earlier i mean one of the greatest powers of sport is it it's a it's a huge unifier it brings us together whether we're playing whether we're spectating um and and it, it sort of transcends language and cultural difference i know there are there are obvious examples in sport where it doesn't um but but it can do and i think um you know when, when we are likely to be working remotely and therefore more individually spending more time on a, on our own mm whether it's sport or whether people have other hobbies, you know, drama, music, whatever it happens to be. Mm. It's so important because we, we sort of moving, I think not out of the digital age, but we're kind of moving into a human age, whereas technology enables so many things to be done that don't, don't, doesn't require a human operator Mm. to value more and more the things that only humans can do or perhaps will, will will only ever be able to do and foster those and nurture those and i think um mm. that's the rub isn't it is that it we're, is. we're 
environment where we don't have to be around people quite so much. But actually, the world needs us to be more human. Yes. This, I mean, and, this is and, this resonates so much uh, with me, and I know it's something that uh, I spoke about when uh, you kindly invited me to speak at uh, you know, mm. the Youth Sports Trust conference, and this idea that in this age of technology, we need to really prioritise what makes us more human, from empathy to connection to to intelligence to and, and so on, and. And what what's the research out there in terms of the impact of sport and play and physical activity on EI, you know, emotional emotional intelligence? Because a lot of companies cover this now as a as a key way of differentiating themselves uh, and really elevating that human experience. But equally, there seems to be a massive still a massive empathy gap. Um, mm. In reality, and is are there any sp- sort of specific insights, re- research on on how sport and play and physical activity um, impacts on empathy? And do you know that's a really good question, and mm. I don't have an example I can I can cite um, and uh, accurately now for you. Yes. But a, a, a lot of the programs that we deliver, particularly in partnership with businesses and, and corporates, one of the interests that the partner has is future employees and we do know that the um, CBI and the Chamber of Commerce repeatedly publish data um, which acknowledges that what business is looking for and what employers are looking for are are those human skills so the empathy the ability to communicate um, tolerance um, team working etc but they're not the things that are coming out of education we're producing children with you know a very standard set of perhaps GCSE results mm. and have had a very similar experience mm. and so business have been working with us and the evaluation um, frameworks that we use are tracking the impact of our sports programs and our play and physical activity mm. program on some of those human skills and and we've got our own evidence base you know while I can't give you anything in the academic yes. Um, anyone wants to take a look at our impact report, we just published it for, for 2020. It's on the Youth Sport Trust website. Great. Um, you can see there the, the data speaks for itself that children feel that they are better connected to other people. They reflect on their communication skills, having mm. improved. Uh, they, they feel more able to empathise um, with other people's issues. Uh, they, they enjoy problem solving in groups more. So all of those sorts of things that yes. are going to be important again in 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 um the future of of the Mm. the world it makes complete Um, sense it makes complete sense and i I can relate to it as well from i used i used to you know many years ago i i I was i played uh i was you know a rugby player for uh warwickshire and just that strong sense of belonging and Mm -hmm. um you know the pride and like you say it's a it's a unifier and an energizer and and purpose li- living the purpose and also humility i found that yes. being in a team and you know the humility to lose gracefully and, yes. and then bounce back these are these are universal qualities that any leader listening today can can learn from and, and bake into their cultures and they become they're even you know they've never been more important in the 21st mm. century i i agree in that sense of uh, personal responsibility and yes. responsibility to others, I think, is another, another good one. But it's it's one of the reasons I think that um, when I when I speak often to educators or indeed policymakers, 
it's trying to get away from this view that sport is just about trophies and medals. You yes. know, that that's a really important part of sport and mm. certainly inspires us all and can unite us as a nation when we have a successful Olympic Paralympics or World Cup or something like that. But really at the grassroots level, when we're talking about children or in the community, what sport is about is about making us more human, helping our well-being uh, and equipping us with the skills that we need to survive in a, a society where we're, you know, more mixed than we've ever been. We're living with people from different backgrounds. Yes. We're having to cope with a constantly changing world, aren't we? So so even, you know, sport is is in, inevitably unpredictable, whether that's, you know, rock climbing or, or playing cricket. You don't know what's going to happen next. Yes. And, and it's within us as well. So I think there's just this redefinition mm. a bit more so in people's minds when they think of sport not to think of just the power of the elite and and winners and yes um that's too narrow almost mm. we're coming to the final uh few minutes of our of our chat today and i recently came across a word called a word a japanese word karoshi uh death at your desk from stress (laughs) and <laughs> sort of fate that uh, we all want to avoid. Um, but it, again, it's clear, especially over the last year, it's been that accelerant that uh, executives are overloaded and over overwhelmed mm-hmm. and, and also distracted. There's a rush, yeah, a sort of... Uh, a sort of uh, rush to um, rush immediacy, a culture of immediacy um, mm. in so many organisations. Mm. And are there, are there any kind of big blind spots that you think leaders, organisations need to, to think about in terms of stress and being always on and, you know, um, focusing on, on just mm. faster and faster? Mm. Um. Well, I suppose the most the, the most obvious one I I think is um, you know the the more stressed we become, the less we're able to think clearly, the less we're able exactly. to think being creatively. So the, the 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 risk is is that we start to we start to n- narrow down our, our sphere of influence around us, and and that can kind of lead to poor decision making, I, I guess. But yes, the most significant one I'd say is is the is the role modeling impact. Mm. Um, what, what I've seen happen in, in organizations that I've worked in before is, you know, culture gets driven by the top of the organization. And, it, the, you know, people's, people sometimes feel an expectation to model their working practices on their seniors or their leaders. Yes. And then we can end up with health culture spreading. Mm. And if, as I mentioned at the beginning, sort of, um, stressed environment, constantly on, um, constant rush l- leads us to not necessarily being doing our best thinking. Yes. And and then we through the organisation. Gosh, that's when problem starts to happen. Because I know when I when I get stressed and don't think clearly. Hopefully, fortunately, I've got an amazing senior leadership team, and someone points that out, or somebody else does the thinking for me. But yes. if we're not with how our influences on the wider organization we have kind of unhealthy colleagues but also a less an effective workforce it's a you know what what you're saying reminds me actually i uh 
I spoke, spoke with a doctor recently and he, he, you know, we had a kind of interesting conversation and he said that the number of selfie, uh, selfie related accidents, first of all, it's a new type of accident. Secondly, it's mm. gone exponential just because people are you know, obsessed with the selfie photographs and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of those um, selfie, ac- selfie related accidents actually are, uh, you know, really, really quite serious. So I, mm. I completely relate to that. That focus, it's limit. Attention is, mm. um, you know, it's limited. It's scarce. It's also the purest and for, a purest form of generosity you can give to anybody else. And it's it's a leadership quality as well. And and mm. I guess we we start building that from an early age through sport and play and physical activity builds up the reserves of attention and focus and mm. discipline. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's it's why we exist, really. I know we're coming yes. to the towards the end of the interview, terms, but the Youth Sport Trust exists not because we are an organisation that's passionate about sport. We're passionate about the next generation, both reaching their potential, but effectively they are one third of the population, and all of our future. I think is a, yes. a famous someone I forget now, but um, I think it might be an Abraham Lincoln. But say that again. I love that. Uh, well, ch- children are a third of the population, but yes. they're all our future. Yes. So taking responsibility for giving them the very best start in life, building both a sense of well-being, but also the attitudes, the values and the skills they'll need for life. Um, it's so important. And, and we tend to find that some models of education can often neglect those things, yet those are the things that will future-proof our society and our communities going forward yes. um, than the, the GCSE results or the A-level results. Let's square the circle and go back <laughs> to the beginning. The, the The goal today was to give our listeners uh, the equivalent of a double espresso and excite their <laughs> minds and get them get them reflecting i think get you know create a space to just reflect mm-hmm. reflect and think about the power of sport and play and physical activity and how you know how that's so beneficial no matter where you're at in uh, in life and you know the philosopher karl popper said we have a moral duty to be optimistic about the future mm-hmm. and in the sort of mm-hmm. final closing moments i wanted to ask you what would you, you know, what are you optimistic about and, and what would you like your legacy to look like? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, gosh. Well, I can tell you what I'm optimistic about. Yes. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about children today and young yes. people, and the challenges they face. But you know what? This generation um, who've just lived through the last 12 months, while they have experienced all sorts of losses, you know, they will have a different perspective on health and well-being than those that went before them. And I think if 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 we look for silver linings, which I, I do and I will do, I think these young people will take more responsibility and take care, more care of their health because they'll have seen how vulnerable it is um, and, and how much we can support ourselves by looking after our well-being. So I'm optimistic about that. They, yes. They are also the generation who've, who've re, re-understood mm. the of human connection and physically being with people and i think that couldn't have come at a better time in history with the you know increasing year and and hundreds of friends on on social media but no no one to put an arm around you so great that they feel that again and Mm. and of course they you know they've lived through a year where they've had no say in anything Mm. so they will i think come through this valuing their freedom Mm. and their ability to 
change things for the better and feel empowered to, to make the changes they want to see in the world. So I'm really optimistic that this generation, yes. while they have lost some things, they've gained some things. And if we can focus on what they've gained, then we really will bounce forward, not bounce back, but we'll bounce forward to a, to a different place. And my legacy... Yes. I, I, I just hope I've left the Youth Sport Trust in as good a place as I found it. I yes. picked up extraordinary chief executive... Um, Dame Sue Campbell, uh, she's yes. now um, looking after women's football at the FA, an extraordinary mm. and my responsibility always was to try and look after what she'd nurtured and created so brilliantly. So that that's what I what I hope that we we continue as a charity to try and help young people well into the future. It's wonderful. It's uh, been a joy to uh, catch up with you today, Ali. Thank you so much for your insights you. and lessons on well-being and health and leadership and the power of sports and play and look forward to next time. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time. It's been lovely to talk to you. I learned today in a post-pandemic world, there are new challenges and risks to human health and well-being. We can all learn from Alison Oliver's insights about the huge power of thinking like a kid. In business, leaders should prioritize health and well-being alongside growth and profitability. The late psychologist Herbert Simon said, too much information leads to a poverty of attention. As a leader, the attention you give to others is probably the rarest and purest form of generosity today. Are you ready to give it?